Right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, day 38, Americans held hostage uh, and abandoned by Joe Biden behind enemy lines. We don't forget, won't forget, as Joe's out riding his tricycle all weekend last weekend. Um, I don't think I've ever, as I've been saying in this, in the long time I've been doing this, ever witnessed anything go so bad, so wrong, so fast on every major issue of our time. And, you know, while Joe Biden's out biking and not answering questions and, and Jen Psaki is out there lecturing everybody. Um, well, the, we, we were not insisting that all of these these now millions, we have a million, almost two million illegal immigrants that have come in the country this year. Oh, they don't need proof of vaccination because they because they're not intending to stay is the dumbest comment I think I've ever heard. And you got the idiocy of Tony, all things Tony Blinken, the border crisis exploding, uh, the COVID crisis exploding. And now Joe is even politicizing monoclonal antibodies uh, and saying, well, these red states are using too many of them. Meanwhile, there's not a shortage of them. And Ron DeSantis now has to go directly to these companies like Regeneron and Eli Lilly to bypass Joe Biden's you know, distribution and rationing that's going on. And, I mean, you just can't make this up. Uh, then we've got this whole issue of raising the debt ceiling versus the $3.5 trillion they're trying to get through using the reconciliation process. Their attempt to put even, even amnesty in the reconciliation bill and then the push to get, you know, to eliminate the filibuster completely. I mean, there's no shortage of topics going on in Washington He's on the ground uh, every day. Mike Lee, senator from the great state of Utah, the good senator from Utah. Uh, senator, welcome back to the program. How are you? Doing great, Sean. Thank you very much. Always good to be with you. Let's start with the border disaster and all that's going on there and your thoughts. Look, a country exists to the extent that it's able to protect itself and define itself and defend its own borders. We've relinquished control over the border. You know what makes me sad, Sean, is, is one who lived for two years on the U.S.-Mexico border as a young missionary 30 years ago. And I can tell you that the people who are most directly impacted, the people who are most harmed uh, by uncontrolled waves of illegal immigration are not the rich people. And they're not the people living in New York and uh, other big metropolitan centers in America, the people who suffer most from them are poor middle-class Americans, especially uh, lower-income Americans who live on or near the U.S.-Mexico border. Every time they weaken these borders, it makes life difficult, makes the American dream more unattainable for those people who who are most vulnerable to that sort of thing, which is America's poor middle class, especially on or near borders. You know, I'm I'm watching this situation unfold, and I'm looking. Look at what's happened now. We're we're now going to hit probably a 25, maybe even a 30 year high in terms of illegal immigrants in the country, and we had hit a 25, 30 year low under Donald Trump's policies. They were working, Um, but Joe steadfastly is you know clinging to the idea of not you know getting rid of the stay in Mexico policy that was working. Building the wall certainly worked. Uh, We know that that trump stopping president trump stopping catch and release now it's process and release they say they're turning people away but you know my sources on the ground uh are telling me the exact opposite mark morgan was on the show that just yesterday telling us just the opposite is occurring 
And yet, you know, we continue down this road. And what's what's happening It's all going on in the middle of a pandemic. You see these illegal immigrants put in these overcrowded cages, high rates of covid positivity. Then they're just transferred all over the country and dispersed to, to every state in the union. And and then we're and, getting lectures about vaccine mandates. Exactly. And this the, the, the common theme here, Sean, is that we, we've got a president, President Biden, who's ignoring his constitutional obligations. And as he's ignoring those obligations, he's doing so that, to the detriment of real people. This is a humanitarian crisis. And the Biden administration is failing even to acknowledge that there's a problem. Uh, we can't make uh, progress on immigration until we're able to get some semblance of control over those who are entering the United States. He's got a constitutional duty to enforce the laws. He's not doing so, and he's, he's deliberately not doing so. Uh, we, we've never seen anything quite like this, not on this scale. And even as he's doing that, as he's refusing to exercise his constitutional, constitutional duties, he's also elsewhere exceeding his constitutional authority. I think those two things are related. When he's not doing the things he's supposed to be doing, he starts doing things he's not supposed to be doing and has no authority to do, like pushing these unconstitutional vaccine mandates. He's not even talking about the Americans now that we know are abandoned behind enemy lines. Now, I they won't give us an exact number. Daryl Issa says it's around 500 Americans. Uh, we know Tony Blinken admitted thousands of, of green card holders that are eligible to be in this country that have been vetted. Uh, we abandoned them behind enemy lines. Our Afghan allies, we abandoned behind enemy lines. And they won't even talk about what they've done here. And even these efforts, I mean, we have special ops guys and retired Navy SEALs, and, and they're willing to risk their lives and people donating money for airplanes and charters to get people out of there. And the Taliban that they say is so professional and businesslike is just going right back to the old Taliban, which is now girls can't go to school. Women are being beaten in the streets. They're going door to door looking for Afghan allies, and they're assassinating them right in, right in the street in broad daylight. And yet not a word out of Joe Biden. And the idea that all of that was preventable is in, in, uh, just incomprehensible to me. All that was preventable. It was foreseeable. It was, in fact, foreseen. Look, Sean, there, there are Americans still trapped in Afghanistan. We lost 13 service members uh, uh, with, with many, many others who were severely injured. We still don't have reasons as to why. We had over billions of dollars of equipment and weapons, including hundreds and hundreds of thousands of guns and dozens, scores, in fact, of aircraft. We had a drone strike that killed 10 innocents, including seven children. Our, our allies, understandably, are questioning our leadership. And our enemies, meanwhile, are challenging our position in the world. The Taliban's announced that China is its closest ally, and they're using resources that we left behind to support them. Meanwhile, some of our closest friends have expressed their own concern and regret and embarrassment about the manner in which we conducted the failed withdrawal and the evacuation. So, look, we need answers. And I, I, I'm hoping to see clearer answers from the administration on why this withdrawal was such a disaster, why the Americans were left behind, and why we lost so many lives, including the life of one service member whose funeral I'll be attending later this week. This is tragic, and President Biden's not dealing with it. He's not giving even the dignity and respect to these fallen service members and their families by giving them answers. It's unbelievable. Let's go to the budget process. Now, the Democrats are trying to ram through 
you know, what would ultimately is that the grand total will be over $5 trillion. It's all new Green Deal spending. They call it human infrastructure. Infrastructure used to be roads, bridges, and tunnels. Not anymore. Um, I know how you felt about the $1.2 trillion. But the question now is they tried to sneak in amnesty. The Senate parliamentarian said that that's just not going to be allowed. Uh, they'll use the reconciliation process. But Republicans do have some leverage because in order to do any of this, they've got to raise the debt ceiling. So what is the strategy of the Republican Party in the Senate to stop this three point five trillion dollar disaster that they're going to try and, and ram down America's throat? Okay, so first of all, on the reconciliation bill, the $3.5 trillion disaster, that's really probably more like a $5 trillion disaster because they're using creative accounting to make it sound smaller. They are, yes, we had this ruling from the parliamentarian the other day saying that they can't include amnesty within that. I read through that ruling on Sunday, read through it very carefully. Uh, as a lawyer, it's what I do. What I saw in there was what she didn't say. And what she didn't say scared me to death. I think what they're getting ready to do, reading these tea leaves, I think they're going to push a lesser form of amnesty. They're going to say, okay, if we can't get amnesty, according to the parliamentarian, on a reconciliation with 51 votes, we'll just push to get rid of all restrictions on giving welfare benefits. Think of food stamps, TANF, uh, other forms of living assistance to illegal immigrants. If you can get rid of any ban on that and open up the floodgates to all illegal immigrants, that is itself a massive policy shift, massive policy shift that will end up drawing even more illegal immigration into the United States, and that will become a problem. So that's one of the next things I'm tackling is trying to make the case that they shouldn't be able to do that either, because I'm afraid that the parliamentarian, when looking at that, is ultimately going to be asked to validate that, because that's more of a budgetary matter, and they will argue that it's less of a policy issue. My argument is that this is... Um, you, you can't make that kind of determination with regard to illegal immigration without a massive policy shift. And that is a policy shift that I, I believe uh, substantially outweighs any budgetary impact it has. Quick break. We'll come back more with Senator Mike Lee. Uh, ben Carson and your calls at the bottom of the hour. 800-941-SEAN is our number. When fake news gives you lies, Hannity supplies the truth. Sean Hannity is on right now. And as we continue with Senator Mike Lee of Utah... You know, I'm just watching this whole process closely. Will Republicans go along with raising the debt limit? Because that would then result in a government, quote, shutdown, which everybody thinks is the most awful thing in the world. But you and I both know it never ends up being what they claim it's going to be. And essential workers still remain on the job. And usually people end up getting free vacations and back pay in the end. And my question is, you know, what tools do the Republicans have available? That seems to be one. Is that the is that the best option in your view? Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't believe we're going to have anywhere near the votes. Remember that they want to do the debt ceiling increase on the continuing resolution, which takes 60 votes to pass. You have to get 60 votes to bring debate to a close to move that one forward. They want to do it on that. But we've got 46 out of 50 Republicans who have signed a letter saying that they will not do that. So <clears throat> as long as those 46 hold strong, which uh, 
It just came from a meeting of Republican senators. As far as I can tell, we're all hanging strong in there. As long as that remains the case, they will not be able to increase the debt. Why is it only 46? I thought you had 50. We have 50 members. There were four members of the Senate who haven't signed that. Um, they have their own reasons. I don't think that necessarily Let means... Let me guess. Lisa Murkowski is one. Mitt Romney is two. Ben Sass is three. That, mm, uh, you got one out of three. Um, that's it? Um, Mur- yeah, Murkowski yeah, that's or it. Mitt Romney? <clears throat> uh, Murkowski. Uh, but um, at, the, at the end of the day, um, they're not going to have anywhere near the 60 votes. You'd have to get 10 Republicans. So assuming all four of those who didn't sign the letter, but you'd still have to get six more. That seems very unlikely to me. There's one thing, though, Sean, that made me nervous. Yesterday, you know how uh, Speaker Pelosi and Majority Leader Schumer issued that joint statement uh, talking about how they wanted to raise the debt ceiling on the continuing resolution. Then they said in order to bring in Republican votes, we're not willing to make any quote-unquote policy concessions. Makes me a little bit nervous. What do they have in mind? What other kinds of concessions could they be contemplating? My fear there is, what if they try to, to sort of buy off votes of additional Republican senators with earmarks? I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying that that would worry me, that that might be their strategy. And I certainly hope that doesn't happen. Where do you see Manchin and Cinema coming down on these issues? Well, I think Manchin and Cinema are likely to vote with their party on the continuing resolution, almost regardless of what's in it. As to the reconciliation bill, Joe Manchin has said to his credit that he can't support a $3.5 trillion spending bill, even though it's actually much more than that. It's not clear on what basis uh, he would continue his opposition, to what degree he would still oppose it if it were, say, 3.4 or $3.3 trillion or 2.9 or 2.8. All of these dollars are dollars that we don't have, that we would have to borrow and, in effect, in practical effect, print this escalating the existing inflation problem that's already affecting is it a America, bad idea for middle-class Americans. Tell me why it's a bad idea for Republicans to fight against raising the debt ceiling. Why don't they take a stand and just say, we're not doing it? Well, now, I know the full faith and credit of the United States government is in play, and that's always the argument they make, but the reality is it's very different, isn't it? In re- yes. Yes, it, it is different. And in fact, um, you know, sometimes when you've reached this point, an argument can be made about raising it. I don't think you can make that argument here, because what they're wanting to do is is raise it, and they're also wanting, in this circumstance, to just suspend it for the duration of what's left of, of 2021 and for all of 2022, meaning it's a, it's a period of uh, debt ceiling Mardi Gras. There's no limit. And so we would be paving the way for them to spend this next $5 trillion that they want to spend and the, whatever $5 trillion they want to spend after that. It's opening the door for all of that. And that's yeah. why nearly all Republicans are now united behind the idea, we're just not doing it. We're not going to do it. We'll see what happens. Senator, you know, a lot of your colleagues get a little wobbly uh, at moments like this. I've seen it happen too many times over the years. Let's see what they do. Uh, Senator Mike Lee, Utah, thank you for being with us. Appreciate your time as always. 800-941-SEAN is our number when you want to be a part of the program. And uh, Ben Carson, your calls are straight ahead. Quick break, right back.
one thing you can always count on. Sean Hannity is back on the radio. I have 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, you know, Ben Carson's become a very good friend of the program. He's now at a conservative think tank, and it's called the American Cornerstone Institute. And I know so many of you now, you've, you got your kids back in school, and, and you're reading the indoctrination and, and hearing about the things that they're being taught every day, and it's scaring the hell out of so many parents around the country. Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson joins us now, who has one of the most incredible life stories himself, longtime friend of the program. You know, I love this because, you know, I get asked this all the time. Well, what about what am I going to do with my kids? You know, I can't afford a private school. There are many private schools where I live. Uh, My kids are stuck in a public school. I read these history books and it's almost unrecognizable to me. Uh, Socialism is great. Capitalism is awful. Uh, all the values parents try to instill in their kids are contradicted in these indoctrination centers called public schools. Uh, Dr. Carson, how are you? Hey, Sean, how are you? It's always good to be with you. And you've, you've nailed it. I mean, there's a real problem here with the way that our kids are being indoctrinated. And we have a tremendous history in this country. And with the Little Patriots Learning Program, which people can access by going to littlepatriotslearning.com, uh, you'll see lesson plans that are free of charge uh, that they can teach their children, you know, the key things that our country is about, about our faith, about our liberty, about our community, about our love for life. And when you think about uh, the kinds of things that, Critical race theory, for instance, is teaching the kids. If you're white, you know, you're an oppressor. If you're black, you're a victim. I mean, if, if I had believed that stuff, I would certainly have never accomplished anything in life. Um, and besides the fact that it's far from true. You know, mm-hmm. this is the place that provides the most in the way of opportunities for anyone in the world. And what some people are trying to do is to convince us that we have a rotten system so that we'll want to change it, fundamentally change it to something else. What other system has allowed so many people to achieve so much and provide such a bright future? That's the reason that so many people are trying to get in here. If we were a you know, horrible the, racist I, I country, want to put emphasis who would want to come? Because you're literally offering for free your first curriculum, you know, a learning platform, that is computer friendly and that parents and grandparents can use with their kids at home. They have at home activities, animated videos, interactive lessons. You can do it anywhere, anytime at your convenience, totally, completely free. Uh, you know, the values that parents and grandparents hold near and dear to their hearts, their faith, uh, freedom, liberty, you know, life, uh, community, et cetera. And then, you know, and, and you are you do take donations for people if they want to help so you can get to phase two and phase three and phase four, which will be amazing. Um, you know, when I finally took graphics, a look. Yeah, go ahead. The graphics are very, very high quality. I mean, this is not a little cheap stuff here. And I think people will be incredibly impressed when they see uh, the, the various lesson plans that we have put out there, which will teach their children why our American flag is important why we shouldn't denigrate it, what, what it stands for when people 
have sacrificed so much so that you could have the freedoms that you have. You know, I said to you, you sent me an early copy of the book, and and by the way, it's very inexpensive, and Why America Matters, um, and people, by the way, can get it just in time for the school season to counter the indoctrination, and it's only like, I think your books start at, what, twelve ninety five, and Correct. it's at little, littlepatriotslearning.com. And, you know, you asked me to take a look at it, and I did, and I wrote you back, and you actually used the quote, which which was intriguing to me, and I'm glad you did, because finally there's a, a children's book that celebrates America, and it's an answer to prayers of many parents and grandparents all across the country, and hopefully the first of many. And I mean Absolutely. that because I talk to parents and grandparents every day, and they, they're asking me, what can I do? And I try to direct them where there are opportunities such as this, where, hey, you can take control of your kid's education, you can work with them, you can fill in the gaps uh, from our failing school system. Absolutely, and it's absolutely critical because what Khrushchev was talking about 60 years ago when he said your grandchildren's children will live under communism and we won't have to fire a shot, is he knew that if they could gain control of our educational system and indoctrinate our kids, and if they could gain control of our media, and parse out to the people only what they wanted them to know, and if they could replace God with government in terms of your dependency, and if they could raise the national debt to astronomical levels, which would justify massive taxation and redistribution of wealth, then they would have everybody in exactly the position they wanted them. These are things that are happening right now in our country, and we have got to wake up. I think a lot of people are waking up, quite frankly, because I think, you know, those who want to fundamentally change the country are moving a little bit too fast. And, uh, you know, the frog in the boiling saucepan is waking up and jumping out of the saucepan, <laughs> so which you is know, a good I, thing. I want to remind people because, uh, you know, you became just – you know, an incredible medical professional and doctor and surgeon. And your story was really fascinating to me. And that is that, you know, I want you to go back and talk about that that moment of time when your mom took control of your life and said, no more, you're not hanging out, you know, with, as my mother used to say, with the hooligans, you know, she used to use these ridiculous terms to describe my friends. That shows you how far back I go. Are you and this, this hooligan group of kids out there, you know, running the streets all day and night? And I'm like, okay, Ma, leave me alone. Don't leave this house. I said, you can't stop me, Ma. I was an incorrigible child, Dr. Carson, I will tell you. But in, I, rec in I recognize it. <laughs> I was exactly. You, you see, the qualities haven't quite evaporated yet. I haven't, I haven't repented and changed enough. Um, but your mom... <laughs> took a hold of you and your life and just was not going to accept mediocrity or the institutional failure that existed in schools and take it from there. And uh, she uh, worked as a domestic and she worked in some beautiful homes and she noticed that those people didn't watch a lot of TV, but they did do a lot of reading. And she came and imposed that on me and my brother. We weren't very happy about it, as you might imagine, in today's world, but it cost social services on it. But, uh, you know, we had to read those books. <laughs> by, by the way, you, uh, you social services, um, uh, I'd like to call and complain about my parents. They're making me read. They're making me read a book. This is so unfair. Exactly. I feel like, I, I feel like I've, I've been invaded. Yes, exactly right. But, you know, as I read about engineers and scientists and 
and surgeons and entrepreneurs, I began to recognize one very important thing, and that is the person who has the most to do with what happens to you is you. It's not somebody else. And see, that's what critical race theory teaches you. It teaches you that other people are in, in control of your life. Other people have caused your problems. You know, whenever I came up with an excuse, next thing out of my mother's mouth was a poem called Yourself to Blame. And I don't want to hear that anymore, so I've stopped blaming other people. <laughs> and I start, you know, looking at, to myself and what I could do. Because even back in those days, there were people saying the system is stacked against you and you can't succeed and, you know, why are you even trying to do this? What a bunch of garbage. And we need to fight against that. And, you know, within the space of a year and a half, I went from the bottom of the class to the top of the class. Same kids who were teasing me were now coming well, to me. What grade were you in at this point in your life? Uh, well, seventh grade. From the so seventh grade, grade your mom grade. said enough's enough. You're not hanging out on the street corner with your friends, which I got lectured on all the time. And uh, you're going to be home at a certain time of day or night. You're going to do your schoolwork. You're going to read. And, and she she forced you to do it. At first, you hated it. But then you realize at some point, this is the this is the ladder to success in this country. Absolutely. But I also backslid. You know, I got to the point where I was an A student when I started high school. But my sophomore year, I backslid. I started hanging out with the guys and staying out late playing basketball and trying to be cool and trying to get the cool clothes. And, uh, you know, I just totally blew it that year. I got back on track. It was a little cheaper back in my day when Converse were, you know, probably like 10 bucks. I don't know. <laughs> but what a difference it did make, you know, once once I had my head screwed on the right way. And you get the impression that no one can stop you. And no one did. And now, it's just an amazing they're... program. I, I want to give this uh, website out so people, the online learning curriculum is free of charge. Okay, it's called littlepatriotslearning.org. Uh, they also have Why America Matters. It's available, by the way, Amazon.com will be. Uh, are you going to put it in bookstores or just online? Uh, it will be online for right now, uh, okay. eventually. But also, uh, please ask everybody to sign up for littlepatriotslearning.com. Okay, you got it. Littlepatriotslearning.com. That includes a free curriculum, online, computer-friendly, for your kids, and it, look, if nothing else, it gives your kids uh, the point. It reinforces the values that the parents and grandparents know is missing in their kids' educational process. And it right. also reinforces their values. And it's just a great tool for parents to use. And more and more parents are, are just craving these opportunities. And I really, really applaud you for doing it. And thank you so much for your endorsement, and, and thank you for that beautiful message you sent for my birthday celebration, too. That was absolutely <laughs> Oh, perfect. you got that one, huh? Uh, <laughs> well, you're a national treasure and a dear friend, uh, Dr. Carson. Uh, you're a good man. God bless you. And, again, for parents out there, it's littlepatriotslearning.com. One word, littlepatriotslearning.com. Take care. All right. I appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program.